BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You know, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Now, qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and, of course, mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean and claim your eligibility for free, your brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, it's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, and switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Hey, if you're looking for a firearm for home defense or something for shooting sports or hunting, you can't do better than a rifle or a shotgun from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, they have more than 200 models that you can choose from in a wide variety of calibers and finishes, all made in America and the finest craftsmanship I've ever seen. Henry's are reliable, they're affordable, and they're backed with their lifetime satisfaction guarantee. Just visit HenryUSA.com. You get to order their free catalog with free decals, and you're going to love this company. So like many of you, I used to suffer from insomnia. No matter what I did, I just couldn't get a perfect night's sleep. Well, then I met Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. He got me fitted for my very own MyPillow, and it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-467-1962. Use the promo code SEAN to take advantage of Mike's two-for-one offer. Now, MyPillow is made right here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And by the way, you can even wash it and dry it. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-467-1962, promo code Sean, to get Mike's special two-for-one offer. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Now, can I just say something? The stapler that is in the studio needs to remain in the studio because the host actually does work during the show. I mean, during the breaks, et cetera, et cetera. Just a new rule on the program. Just a new rule we're adding. Because when I start looking for it, I can't find it. I'm looking up and down, and then I realize, oh, somebody stole it. Sort of like at my house. I have one brush in my bathroom. My daughter has 50. She still comes to my bathroom to steal my brush. And I'm like, I love you to death. Just leave my brush where it is exactly. And if I put my shoes in a certain spot, I'm going to look for them the next day in that spot. I don't need anybody to move my shoes into some undisclosed location like my closet. There's little things in life that drive me nuts. Just like the worst words in the English language are. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. That feels good. Um, you know, I don't even know what to say about this. 
So you got a Harvard University study has now confirmed what I've been saying all along, and that is the elite, radical, alt-left news media in America did everything they could do to screw Donald Trump during the presidential campaign. Now, one of Trump's biggest complaints is how deeply negative the media coverage of him was during this 2016 campaign. Well, turns out the data now proves what I said back in 2008, journalism is dead because he was right. A new study out of Harvard's Shorenstein Center of Media Politics and Public Policy. I don't know any of these things that go on at Harvard. I've never been invited to Harvard. I've never spoken at Harvard. I've never been given an invitation to Harvard. Anyway, so his coverage was negative from the get-go, before the start of the general election, and never came close to entering positive territory, said Thomas E. Patterson, a Bradley professor of government and press at Harvard. Good for him. I give him credit for at least being honest. During his best weeks, the coverage ran two to one negative over positive. In his worst weeks, the ratio was more to more than 10 to one. If there's a silver lining for Trump, it was that his best two weeks were the ones just preceding the November balloting. The negativity of coverage was broadly consistent across each of the outlets that Harvard studied, including CBS that had the most negative coverage, Fox News Channel, the least negative coverage. I'll take some credit for that my little hour counts and uh let's see and but the differences between the two were not vast not only was trump's press coverage uniformly negative it was more negative in tone than hillary clinton's in the general election 77 percent of the coverage of trump was negative wow you know what you know and you know what's fascinating about this look at the rallies you know, CNN sucks. Or when Trump says, you see these liars back there, these liars. I think it's one of the more entertaining things that he's ever done in his campaign. Now, last night he threw us a bit of a curveball when he was in North Carolina in Fayetteville because he actually pointed out the press. The crowd, almost on cue, started turning against him. He said, no, 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 they've got a job to do. I was like, okay, I don't like this kinder and gentler Donald Trump. I like the old guy. I like the guy that allowed them to chant locker up and CNN sucks. I kind of like that guy better. But I understand he's got to be presidential. He's bringing people together. I actually am putting together a monologue tonight that's called They Are Not Your Friends. Because he met recently with Al Gore. He met today with Rom Rombo Deadfish. He met with Mitt Romney twice now. And who else did he meet with that kind of pissed me off a little bit? Um... Somebody else. I can't remember off the top of my head. And I'm just I'm just going to do a monologue. They are not your friends. And that's all I'm going to say about it now. And you're going to have to watch tonight to see my opening TV monologue. Um, the political dynamic. I mean, this is very interesting here, because as long as we're we're handing out end of the year awards. Did you see that Mediaite gave me I was in the top five media people today? This is Mediaite. They don't like me over there. I mean, and so Dan Abrams, who I've always liked, Dan Abrams is a cool guy. And he's not hands-on with media. He has a ton of websites. Really smart, smart guy. He did cable news. He gets cable news. He understands it. And he and I just kind of hit it off. We actually went to dinner one day last year. We had a great time. So he writes me. He goes, we're having a party tonight. You're in the top five as one of the great media success stories of the year, and we want you to be a part of it. And I wrote him back, and I said, 
Well, Dan, I was kind of out on a limb. Uh, are you saying that I get the would have gotten the award if Hillary won? I said, why do I believe I would have been number one on the biggest loser list if, in fact, Hillary won? And he just writes, and he's funny. He laughs because he knows it's true. So I don't know. Do you think I should go over to that party tonight? No, you don't think I should do anything, do you? <clears throat> why? Because I'm, I'm basically playing into my own opening monologue. They are not your friends. Is that what you're telling me? The only re- the only way I would say you should go yeah. is if you're wearing a hidden GoPro. And we can get, like, video footage of people's faces. Well, now you just gave away the, oh, when I walk in the door? Like, literally just have a GoPro on. You walk in the door. I can't say who. There's one person at Mediaite that likes me. Only one. And the pro, please come tonight. I just want, want to see their faces when you walk in the door. And I said, I'll try. I'll see if I can. I don't know. I... I'm not the big Listen, party. Listen, you pe- didn't come to my wedding, so if you go to Mediaites, well, party. I'm glad you brought. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought this up because somebody recently invited me, and I won't tell you who, to the inauguration, and they were making hotel reservations, and they're like, "Oh, I'm sure you and your family want to go to the inauguration." I said, "No, I'm not going." I said, "I'll only go if I have to work," and they're like, "No, no, 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 you're really going, right? I mean, you know, you're a big Trump supporter. You got to be there." I said, "No, I don't go to inaugural balls." I'm never putting on one of those ugly suits that people wear at those events. You can't pay me enough money to wear one of those suits. And then I said, the other thing is, is I, I know people are nice, but I don't dance. And only to see maybe Rascal Flats, but I can hang out backstage because I'm friends with them. Or Sarah Evans is playing. I can hang out backstage because she's playing. I don't have to hang out. And it's not that I don't want to hang around with people. Then you end up taking pictures. Then you take, you know, I don't dance. I don't. It's, I'd rather be working that night. So it turns out it's on January 20th is on a Friday. I I don't know if I should give this idea. Corey Lewandowski gave me the best idea of what Trump should do on Inauguration Day. But if I say it, I'm kind of like stealing his idea, even though I'm giving him attribution. You shouldn't say it. But it's such a good idea. But you shouldn't say it. But you want to know privately, right? I don't want to know. You do so. Don't tell me. You, you're such a liar. Keep me in suspense. All right, let's go back to the alt-left radical media. Um, I think we should give out another award, considering I got an award today. I think we should give out the fake news award to the mainstream alt-left media. And that would be CNN and NBC and CNBC and MSNBC and ABC and CBN. Poor Martha Raddatz. Is she still crying? I think we should give out the fake news award for 2016. You know, I mean, you look at before this presidential campaign, have you ever seen so many made up news stories in your life? For example, Trump insults McCain presidential bid over. How many times did the news media make that wrong prediction all year long? Polls show Trump has no chance of winning. Electoral college map spells doom for Republicans. Hillary's lead is now insurmountable. Trump could sink the GOP in down ballot races. Obama insists voters will reject Trump. Do you realize, and I'm saying this on my award day, this is like my award speech. If I don't go to the party tonight, I'm just giving it on radio and they can print it over at Mediaite. Never in the history of American journalism have so many media outlets run so many fake false news stories all in a blatant attempt to engineer the outcome of a presidential election. And if you don't Believe me, I go back to the Harvard University study. 
And I also want to retroactively bestow the same fake news award on the alt-left mainstream media for 2015 for doing so much to spread the poisonous hands-up-don't-shoot hoax. And I saw my friend Sheriff, uh, what's his name from Milwaukee? Sheriff David Clark, he said it in Milwaukee. That was a hoax. Those words were never said, hands-up-don't-shoot. Never happened. It never happened. But you would think, and I bet you if you ask most people, they think it did. They rushed to judgment in Ferguson. They reported made-up facts that fit a narrative they wanted to create. We know what the result was in Ferguson. We know what the results were now in Baltimore. You know, dozens of other cities around the country, protesters chanting, we want dead cops. When do we want them now? And then as a result of that, that group gets invitations to the White House and an appeal from Hillary to get an endorsement. So congratulations, mainstream alt-left radical media. You get the fake news award, and I'm doing it retroactively. You get it for 2015 and 2016. And if we're really going to be honest here, we could take it back to 2008 when I said journalism in America is dead. I didn't know how right I was, but I was right. Now, if they want to have opinion programs, they can have opinion programs. Fox labels very clearly Hannity. It doesn't say news. Hannity. Opinion. Is there anybody really in America at this point that pays attention to news that if you mentioned my name wouldn't know that I'm a conservative? I've been on the scene at Fox for my 21st year now. I'm in my 30th year on radio. I think most people know that I'm an outspoken conservative. So, and you know, this is how bad things are getting over at CNN. This is fascinating to me. I mean, Michael Moore was on CNN calling Trump last night a malignant narcissist during a town hall hosted by Mr. Whitelash himself, Van Jones. So now CNN has doubled down on, on dumping on Trump. Now they're giving Van Jones a town hall with Michael Moore. So I, I, clearly they're trying to outflank Maddow and, and Lawrence O'Donnell and whatever the guy is that precedes Maddow. I don't know who that person is, but whatever. I mean, they're trying to outflank CNN to be the most liberal, the most radical, the most alt-radical left. Anyway, during a segment about jobs in the economy, an audience member expressed gratitude for Trump's moves to cut deals with companies ostensibly to protect American jobs. The man said, no other politician in my lifetime has ever brought this issue to the forefront. And the fact of the matter is we get screwed on trade. And then more response to him. And when Trump doesn't follow through, when he doesn't get rid of NAFTA, when you're still screwed in Michigan five months from now, two years from now, well, where are you going to be on the issue then? And I'm like, okay, he just announced yesterday $50 billion and 50,000 jobs. 1,100 jobs were saved in Indiana. He's not even president yet. That happens on January the 20th. The reality is if he puts in place... What I know as a conservative is going to work. I know that lowering the corporate tax rate will incentivize businesses to invest and build factories, manufacturing centers here. It's just going to work. I know multinational corporations will bring a big percentage of those trillions back here. And that means that we can even further incentivize them to, to invest. Because when you just drop it to a 10% rate versus a 35% rate, it's worthwhile bringing it back. 
and you want the economic activity, and you can go to places like the Golden Triangle in Mississippi and have all the cheap labor, relatively cheap labor. I don't consider a $50,000 a year job a bad job for somebody. I don't consider a $100,000 a year job a bad job for somebody. Like Max Higgins was able to do, the guy that we had on the program yesterday. Joe Max, he likes to call himself the coach. Well, his name's Joe Max Higgins. Anyway, but if he does those things on the economy, three, three brackets from seven, 15% corporate rate, repatriation, cutting taxes across the board, especially for the middle class, you get rid of Obamacare, that's going to be like a, a refund for most American families the faster you can get that done. Then you add the equation of we are so rich under our own feet with natural gas and oil and, and fracking opportunities and shale opportunities. And then you add to that everything else we're talking about. This is a formula, less competition when you build the wall for the jobs that are available. That's a formula for economic success. Just as I predicted, Obama would be an economic disaster. I was right then. If Trump does these things, it'll take about two years, two and a half years to get it really humming. Because remember, he'll spend the first year dealing with the CR that they passed yesterday, which is just a continuation of Obama's bad economic policies. By the way, anti-Trump columnist, time columnist, is urging Democrats to stop paying taxes. So Trump gets the, the time man of the year, their 90th man of the year. You know, to the president-elect divider-in-chief, the president of the divided states of America. They can't even give this guy his due and say that he's been a force to reckon with throughout the year, for good or for ill. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program. Get a lot of calls in the course of the program today, I promise. Okay, winter is on the way, and if you listen to this show, you know there's only one product that I absolutely rely on when I get a sore throat or a scratchy throat, and that's the delicious Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops. Now, it's the only throat drop that is ranked number one in throat coating action, number one. And I mean, you can literally feel it, that coating of your throat, with their gum acacia, their plant glycerin, and of course, their delicious natural flavors. Now, they're amazing. My favorite is wild cherry and licorice. I also love the honey and licorice. Now, I've turned a lot of people onto Pine Brothers. You want to know the first three things that come out of their mouth? One, they're delicious. I can feel them coat my throat, and wow, they're soft, almost like a gummy bear. Yeah, I know they're soft. That's why they're called Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops. Now, work with me, people. So this season, look, you're going to have some throat issues and do what I do to soothe my golden throat. I use Pine Brothers Throat Drops. You will love this product. It's worth every penny. You can find Pine Brothers at CVS, Select, Walmart, Target, ShopRite. Why? Because they are the best. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. I think, Jason, it is time to retire some of the old Hillary Clinton archives and just put them in a special retirement bin. And probably never to be heard again. And I guess this is probably our our Hillary classic. I am woman. Hear me roar. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. I am woman. Hear me roar. This vast right-wing conspiracy that has been conspiring against my husband since the day he announced for president. Well, you have to be a little bit crazy to run for president. I think I'm probably the most transparent person in public life. Words about me will continue to fill many archives and warehouses across the world. 
I don't throw anything away. I, I'm like two steps short of a hoarder. Um, Are you keeping a, a diary? Are you keeping good notes of what's happening Heavens to you? no. If you get subpoenaed, I can't write anything down. <laughs> It only serves to make me more determined to achieve my final goal. The fact is, we had four dead Americans. Was it because of a protest, or was it because of guys out for a walk one night who decided they'd go kill some Americans? What difference at this point does it make? Go to the end of the line. Okay. Why don't you go to the end of the line? If, if you you have no reason to remember, but we came out of the White House not only dead broke, but in debt. I remember landing under sniper fire. There was supposed to be some kind of a greeting ceremony at the airport, but instead we just ran with our heads down to get into the vehicles. No, wait, that's what I said when I was sleep deprived. You can read my book and I said something very different. And that means we gotta be kinder. Wait, you want me to tell you what my husband thinks? My husband is not the Secretary of State, I am. And we have to be more compassionate and empathetic and put our mindful, thank you. You ask my opinion, I will tell you my opinion. I'm not going to be channeling my husband. Even here at home, we have right, to stand up. For it. women's rights and yeah. reject efforts to marginalize any one of us. Don't you someday want to see a woman president of the United States of America? Well, but I am all about new beginnings. Another new hairstyle, a new email account. <laughs> I am sick and tired of people who say that you debate and you disagree with this administration, somehow you're not patriotic and we should stand up and say we are Americans and we have a right to debate and disagree with any administration. <laughs> All right, that's enough. That's it. It's officially retired. No more. And Jason, how many discs do we have on the Sean Hannity Show archives now? What are we up to? What number? Like 372, I believe. <laughs> Three, and by the way, these discs are filled to the max, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, just take like one of the all the Hillary discs and put them in a special place, and one day we'll bring them out of retirement. Maybe when I retire, we'll go through the greatest hits, and that will be one when of she them. She goes on the stump when uh, Chelsea starts running. Yeah, but, you know, we've, we still can use the song, I Am Woman. Now, New York Magazine reported on Monday that... Women in Washington, D.C., they're having a very hard time coping with Donald Trump's election. These special little snowflakes are just devastated. They quoted this one poor woman, Julie, yeah, put it up a little, Juliana Evans. She cried for three days after the election and called it a catastrophe. And anyway, she didn't let the election, though, really get her down because she told the magazine she put on her big girl panties and dragged herself to the drugstore and she bought a box of black hair dye. And she said, the election deadened my soul, and I think I wanted to do something defiant to feel stronger. Crank it up. She now says, I feel like my hair says, you can't bring me down. This misogyny 
will not persevere. The bumper sticker for me is I am woman. Hear me roar. I'm not making this up. Everyone's, you're all thinking I'm making this up. I'm not. All right, here. You can keep the music on in the background. All right, so this is a New York Post headline today. Trump's bedroom backlash may be causing electile dysfunction. And anyway, they suggest that evidence is out there that Trump's election victory has killed the reproductive urge among liberal progressives, sparking fears that the disappointing results could have an extinction-level event could be an extinction level event for Democrats. I haven't had sex in weeks. I blame Donald Trump, read an October story in Cosmo by a writer who added, quote, my sex life never stood a chance this election season. And that was before November 8th. Trump's election stole my desire to look for a partner, wrote this woman, Stephanie Land from Montana. She said to the Washington Post, there's no room for dating in my place of grief. And she added, having dumped her boyfriend, even though he was equally terrified about Trump, dating means hope. I've lost all hope. And then the view, Joyless Behar. Have you noticed that your wife is disgusted by the sight of you lately, citing a therapist who said women have lost their sex drive since Trump won? She added, the Trump bedroom backlash may be causing electile dysfunction. So I'm, not, I'm not making any of this up. And it's not just the bedroom where the ravages of Trump's win are causing progressive distress, experiencing weight gain? Don't worry, it's not your fault. It's Donald Trump's fault. They call it the November 8 gain. Post-election blues, quote, are causing some people to gain the Trump 10, says weight loss doctors, according to a report in People magazine. Highway safety is also impacted. 33-year-old. Elizabeth Lundberg rear-ended another vehicle so hard on November 9th that it smashed into a car ahead of it when questioned by the police in Minnesota who found an empty bottle of vodka in her purse and she was unable to spell her name. She told the cops, I'm upset over the outcome of the election and you should let me go home. I'm not kidding, according to the department's Facebook page. She blew a .33 on the breathalyzer four times the legal limit. Wow. Don't you someday want to see hey. a woman president hey. of the United States of America? Hey, I said put that away. That's banned. That's it. We're done. The archives are over. The election's won. You know, people have been asking me, how do you feel? How do you feel? How do you, does it hit you yet? Do you feel this? You know what I really feel? Just hearing that Hillary montage and hear me roar, I'm like, thank God. <laughs> thank you, Lord Jesus. We don't have eight years of her. Oh. Oh, oh, that would be painful. So painful. I've already, you know, we've gone through our eight years. Now the other side. I mean, we didn't lose it. We just were the loyal voice of opposition. And now we can say everything we said was going to happen, happen. Donald Trump, by the way, hasn't been inaugurated yet. Crazy Uncle Joe is making noises about throwing his hair plugs into the ring in 2020. Anyway, addressing concerns that he'll be too old to make a presidential run by then, Biden predicted last night he'll be in better physical shape than Trump, who's more than three years younger. Biden told Colbert, I, I can't see the circumstances in which I'd run, but what I've learned long, long, t- a long, long time ago is never say never. And then he said, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, hell, Donald Trump's going to be 74. I'll be 77 and in better shape. I mean, what the hell? Okay, crazy Uncle Joe. As they say in my business, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the whole load today. We got the first sort of 
mainstream African American yeah. who is articulate and bright and and, and clean and nice looking guy. Mm. I mean, it's that's a storybook. You're telling me we got to go spend money to keep from going bankrupt? Yes, you don't know my state. My state was a slave state. My state is a border state. My state is the eighth largest black population in the country. My state is anything from a northeast liberal state. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. It's a point. I'm not joking. Hillary Clinton is as qualified or more qualified than I am to be vice president of the United States of America. Let's get that straight. And quite frankly, um... It might have been a better pick than me. So let me say it again. Thank you, uh, Terry, and thank you, uh, Dr. Pepper, and thank you, Chancellor, or Dr. Paper. Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Think about what happened out in where Gabby Gifford, my good friend, was shot and mortally wounded. Well, I say they're going to start to see unemployment grow uh, this spring. You mean employment? Uh, it's going to take uh, employment grow. I'm sorry. Number one job facing the middle class, and it happens to be, as Barack says, a three-letter word: jobs. J O B S. Jobs. Chuck Graham, state senator, is here. Chuck, stand up. Chuck, let him see you. Oh. God love you. What am I talking about? I tell you what, you're making everybody else stand up, though, pal. Now is the time to heed the timeless advice from Teddy Roosevelt. Speak softly and carry a big stick. End of quote. I promise you, the president has a big stick. I promise you. I stopped in Singapore to meet with a guy named Lee Kuan Yew, who most foreign policy experts around the world say is the most, the wisest man in the Orient. I promise you, Obama has a big stick. <laughs> a three-letter word, jobs, J-O-B-S. You can't work at a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. My favorite, though, is about... He's, this is storybook, man. This is unbelievable. He's articulate. The first black American, articulate, is bright and clean. He showers. You can't make it up. Uh, by the way, hold on to those. We may need them in, four, in three years. Just don't put them in the Hillary archives yet. Uh, so Boeing, here's some news. In the wake of Trump's threat to cancel the contract to build the new Air Force One, the company's now agreed to consider cost-cutting measures. Oh, saving taxpayer money. I wonder if Trump will get credit for that. I'm sure that the girls of The View will be quite upset. Uh, well, this was pretty scary yesterday here in New York. You had a guy from the Bronx was seen by a witness walking erratically towards Rockefeller Center in the Christmas tree. Well, he ended up, NBC News reported that the witness was a Fox News employee. I'm like, oh, great. I'd never heard of the person. Witness flagged down a police officer. I'm sorry, oh, it's the the witness was a Fox News employee. They saved the day. Whew. Thank goodness. The witness flagged down a cop. They noticed the man was lugging a, a gas can and matches. He's also carrying a book called The Son of Hamas and then hurled a bottle at the officers while yelling expletives at them. He was taken into custody. Police say the man was carrying about a gallon of gas, but we're told he didn't plan on setting anything afire. Oh, okay. I believe that. You have an anti-Trump columnist 
On the same day Trump's named Person of the Year in the Divided States of America, Time Magazine published an op-ed calling for Democrats to stop paying federal income taxes the next time a Republican wins the White House and if they lose the popular vote. Okay, stop paying. And what will happen to you is going to be predictable. You're going to get handcuffed, perp-walked, mugshotted, and put to jail like everybody else. Oh, just like Barack Obama went after conservatives. Actually, I don't recommend that because that's just unfair. The uh, the political dynamic that sent this national debt spiraling out of control during the Obama years is about to hopefully come to an end. I hope so. That's why I'm so worried about the $1 trillion in infrastructure spending. But anyway... It's been an article of faith for Democrats that Obama's budget war is that any extra dollar for the military had to be matched by a dollar for domestic programs. Now Democrats fear that they're po- powerless. Remember when Obama said, well, we, we won. He kept reminding it, well, we won too bad. You know, the Republicans can join us, but they can sit in the back of the bus, the social Darwinists that they are. Anyway, so after the, uh, the election defeat, the left now plans on facing a unified Republican Party and Donald Trump's plans for new defense spending and Democrats acknowledge that funding for their priorities, well, that's not going to work. I'm like, well, just listen to Barack Obama. We won. Elections do have consequences. And the Supreme Court was at the top of the man list. That's why you idiotic never-Trumpers out there don't have a half a brain cell in your head. But anyway, I digress. So we'll see what happens there. All right, when we come back, we got a lot coming up today. Uh, We've had too much fun. Nigel Farage joins us. He was the leader, campaign leader for the Brexit movement, also a big supporter of Donald Trump's. And now that Italy had the uh, resignation of this prime minister, Renzi, now the 64th prime minister in 70 years. Italian citizens are taken to the streets and pushing for an exit from the EU. And then, of course, we've got Angela Merkel now calling for a ban on the burqa, so we'll find out what's happening there. Could be a preview of coming attractions here. You can shout at me, you can get upset, but cheer up, everybody. It's been the most fantastic, uplifting, amazing year. There has been the outbreak of nation-state democracy. It's a virulent disease, and it's going to sweep the entire Western world, in my opinion. 2016 has been the year of political revolution. It's been the year of the outsiders. But remember, what made Brexit happen and what got Trump elected were a lot of little people who don't normally vote at all, but have simply had enough and want to vote for change. So nobody has made better use of social media and the internet than me. And of course, Trump has done exactly the same thing. So I think the internet can be very liberating. I think the internet uh, means that governments simply can't lie to us anymore in the way that they used to. But the internet equally can be a very bad thing and a very dangerous thing. And through the internet alone, if if people's trust goes away from you guys and goes completely to the internet, there is a genuine and real danger that perhaps very dangerous or bad ideas will take hold. I think that the broadcasters and the media in the wake of 2016 need to press the reset button. I never thought I'd say this. But I think you have got to be more responsible and you have got to be more representative. I have to say that on Trump, it wasn't just you that was wrong. Everybody was wrong. But I had a very good bet at five to one. And I've enjoyed 2016, even if you haven't. 
All right, that, of course, Nigel Farage. He was the campaign leader for the Brexit movement and a a big support behind the scenes, uh, I'm very aware of, for Donald Trump. And he saw what happened before Brexit happened. He saw what was coming in the United States. And, of course, following the Italian referendum Sunday night, you had hundreds of protesters taking to the streets of Rome demanding that Italy now leaves the European Union as well. Well, this is far from over. Um, anyway, so what's uh, what's going on, Nigel Howard? What a year this has been. Did you really bet on the election in the States? I sure did. Oh, absolutely. When I came over in August and I shared the platform with Donald Trump in Mississippi, in Jackson, Mississippi, what was really interesting was after I'd finished and, and Donald had finished, and I went into the audience just to meet the people, Sean, just to talk to them, just to see who they were. And you know what? They were the American version of the Brexit voters in the UK. Ordinary, decent people who've been given a bad break. You know, it, what, uh, nobody here understood which I saw coming. I got a call from the New York Times. Now, they, they hate me over at the New York Times, and I'm sure you totally, completely understand what that's like. <laughs> and so they're asking, well, we want to do an article. How did you see what nobody else could see? And I'm like, well, I opened my eyes. Yeah, I have, that's what I said. I just I, you watch, you observe, you see, you look at millions of more Americans in poverty on food stamps, lowest home ownership rate, worst recovery, double the debt. You know, what part of this are you missing? What what foreign policy success did this guy have? And then you've got the worst candidate that's dishonest, not trustworthy, a liar and, and probably a, a felon if she ever got justice running against them. It was pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, because what's happened here? is that across the Western world, the people who work in big business, the people who work in political lobbying, the people who work in what we used to call mainstream media, and the people who are players in politics, they're all the same people. They're all interchangeable. You know, but I mean, I, in my country, yeah. you know, in my country, they all go to the same schools, they all go to the same university, they all do the same degree, they marry each other's sisters, and they interchange oh, jobs, and... You know, and they're living, they're living a very narrow little world. And the only time this privileged elite meet ordinary people when they're being served meals by them or being driven by them, and they're not even very nice to those people then. But there is a complete disconnect, the disconnect of Brussels to the rest of Europe. And I would dare say the disconnect of Washington, actually, with a lot of middle America. Tell me what you think of what happened in the Italian referendum on Sunday night and the prime minister stepping down after, you know, he basically wanted a dramatic shift in the Constitution. You've had, what, 63 or 64 prime ministers there in 70 years. It's kind of ridiculous. And and he blames the the high number of of state legislators, senators and, and representatives as the cause of the problem, wanted it reduced dramatically. What do you what does that mean for this movement? In other words, the more populist nationalist movement that believes in secure borders and keeping jobs at home. Renzi is a very good-looking 41-year-old leader. He sort of comes out of the model of Blair, Clinton, Schroeder in Germany. You know, they look good. They, they, they talk in platitudes. But actually, if you look at the agenda they support, you know, they support open borders. They haven't got the courage to stand up to Islamic terrorism. And he may have called, he may well have called this referendum trying to centralize some power in Italy, which, yeah, I accept. 
for much of the post-war period has been ungovernable. But actually what he found himself was with a referendum where people were voting not just on their views on him, but crucially on their membership of the Eurozone. What is the point of centralising power in Italy if actually the big decisions are taken by the European Central Bank in Frankfurt and the European Commission in Brussels? What is the point why, of the nation-state? Why is Great Britain having such a problem after their referendum to leave? Well, let me just give you my analysis. The, 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 big, refer- the big revolution in Britain on, on June 23rd saw the people speak. But with the exception of Cameron and Osborne, the Prime Minister and Chancellor, who were turfed out, all the same players are still on the chessboard. Chest Whereas your revolution, Trump didn't just win, he's now in control you know, of who the key players are going to be that'll make the big decisions. So we are left with our political class. They're still in position. They're still in place. The judges are the same. The politicians are the same. The ministers are the same. And so what they're trying to do is everything they can within their power to delay, to frustrate, and in some cases they even want to reverse this referendum result. So, so we've got a bit of a problem, but believe me, it's only a short-term problem because what Brexit saw was the biggest democratic exercise in the history of these islands. And believe me, every one of those people who voted Brexit, despite being told by everybody it was a dreadful thing to do, they will not rest until they get what we voted for. So even if they try and stop us, we'll come back, and if we have to do it again, we'll win by an even bigger margin. I couldn't believe the comments of Tony Blair talking about Western democracies. What was your take on what he said? Um, Blair, I think, has become one of the most loathed figures uh, for an ex-Prime Minister we've ever seen, Um, and he was followed up by his successor, uh, uh, or sorry, sorry, predecessor, John Major, um, who said much the same thing. So two former living prime ministers telling us, you know, that uh, really the referendum was a mistake and we should do it all again. And uh, and like you, Sean, I host a radio show here in the UK. So I had a competition the other week to ask for a collective noun to describe prime ministers who want to change the present. And the best one I got was a haunting, because that's what it is. We're being haunted by these figures who took us deeper and deeper into the European political process, look, they're missing a trick. They're even more disconnected than they were before. Yes, I'm frustrated. You know, we should, the day after Brexit, have said to the EU, we're off, we're taking back control of our lives. I'm frustrated, I'm upset, I'm angry, but I know that in the end, the determination of the people is going to win. Well, I'm fascinated by Angela Merkel. Now she wants a fourth term as the German Chancellor. And Angela Merkel, of course, was largely responsible for bringing in all of these these refugees. And Angela Merkel now wants to ban burkas. I'm like, OK, well, I guess she really wants power badly, considering she's flopping and flailing that much. This is what I hate. I was a businessman for 20 years. I got into politics because I genuinely believed something was going wrong. Um, and I pretty much stick to my guns. You know, I believe what I believe in. And if you want to support that and believe in that, then vote for it. What I find absolutely loathsome are professional career politicians like Merkel, who made the worst foreign policy decision any leader in the Western world has made since 1945, 
by saying unconditionally, regardless of who you are, where you come from, without vesting, you can come in unlimited numbers. Uh, you know, and we saw things. I mean, let's not forget what happened at Cologne train station on New Year's Eve last year. And if listeners don't know this story, brace yourselves, because it's pretty shocking. We saw the mass open sexual assault on hundreds of women in a public place outside a German train station, caused directly by what Mrs. Merkel had done. And now, because she wants to get re-elected, she's pretending to play the tough lady and saying we should ban the burqa. And I would say that is a bit like shutting the door after the horse has bolted. Yeah. Do you think there's any way that, that she could win re-election in this environment? Because it seems like she's trying really hard. Well, it, that depends on how gullible, frankly, people are. Um, British Prime Minister in the 60s, Harold Wilson, once said that a week is a long time in politics, by which he meant that, that so many people are busy living their lives and paying their mortgages and bringing up their kids, but they kind of forget the mistakes of the past. I, I very much hope she gets punished for what she did. And don't forget, it wasn't just Germany that took all these people. It was the rest of Europe, too. I don't know. What I do know is that Italy, and I've been saying this before to you on this program, Italy is the absolute wild card in the European pack. You know, you've now got parties that want a referendum on Italy's membership of the euro, nearing 50% in the opinion polls. And I think with Renzi having lost the referendum, further run on the Italian banks, which, let's face it, they're frankly bankrupt, um, I think we may well see. The biggest shock in 17 may well be a general election in Italy that triggers a referendum on the membership of the euro. And I think if the Italian people get that, they will vote for salvation. What did your relationship grow into with Donald Trump? I know you were here in New York quite a bit. I know you spent a lot of time with him. I think you were even here on election night, if I remember correctly. I Look, you know, I, I, I admire the fact that this man is not going to be bullied, is not going to be told by bureaucrats in Washington, oh, Mr. Trump, this is how we do things. I admire the, the, the fact that this guy has got a proper personality and he gets that something has gone wrong. He gets that a lot of very decent, ordinary, hard-working Americans have had a rotten break over the course of the last few years, that the dominant of the big global corporates has meant the rich get richer, and the small man and woman just has not got a proper chance to get on. And I admire that. I admire his tenacity. And can I say his work rate is just phenomenal. He is an indomitable, sort of force of nature, frankly. So uh, do you know what? The more I meet him, the more I like him. Um, and I have watched him uh, since he became president-elect. And I thought what happened in that factory uh, carrier last week, uh, with him walking at the head of that snake with the big overcoat on, with Pence giving the thumbs up to the workers, I thought that's the best bit of PR any president-elect probably ever had. And I tell you something, I, you know, knowing him and his determination, um, his, his belief in good values, I really honestly think this man could become an absolute hero. Look, I know conservatism works. You remember Maggie Thatcher, so you know it works. And if he's able to implement, and my advice to him is don't, if he wants a friend in D.C., he better hang out with Pat and his dog a lot because that's the only friend he's going to have. But if he implements his agenda on 
repatriation of dollars and energy independence. And if he follows up on a 15 percent corporate tax rate and gets rid of Obamacare, everything will be in place. Do you know that Obama was the first president in U.S. history ever to not reach 3 percent GDP growth ever? I mean, is that insane or what? Well, I mean, Obama failed. I mean, to watch that speech last night that Obama gave on national security, I mean, goodness me, wasn't it pathetic? After eight years of failure, look, we're entering a new time. Uh, Trump is is now the leader of the Western world. And, you know, it's an amazing thing. I've got English people saying to me, we feel like Trump's our president, too. That is how much he's touching the hearts of people. That is how strong his personality, this, this, this incredible, I say again, force of nature. Uh, and, yeah, I want to see corporation tax cut. I think he'll do it. Lots of money will come back to the USA. He'll provide jobs. Um, and hey, look, and look crucially, at, the look, other thing you must... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt. But look at Ireland, for example. But go ahead. What's the other thing you must do? The other thing you must do is he must, must, must control illegal immigration. I think there is a, a, a burning, and I've sensed this, because I've, you know, I've been all over the States for the last few months, and I've sensed there is a burning injustice amongst all people in America. Interestingly, many Hispanics in Florida who voted for him. You know, people who've legally come to America, done the right things, got registered, paid their taxes. Why the hell should they be undercut? by people, you know, flooding across that border, uh, you, know, you know, working in the black economy. And so I think the two things you've got to do, one, get growth and jobs going in the economy, and I'm really confident he's going to do that, and two, yeah. control, cut illegal immigration. They're the two big things to me that he really needs to do. Nigel Farage, love having you on the program. As always, thank you so much for being with us. All right, Kim is in beautiful southwest Florida in Fort Myers listening to Fox News Radio, 92.5. What's up, Kim? How are you? Hey, Sean. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Thanks so much for taking my call. So, you know, it's funny. I made a comment yesterday that we're just tired of winning again. He, you know, uh, he made a joke about this on the campaign trail, that someday we're going to get sick of winning. And it's just everything that he's putting in place, and he's not even in office yet, is setting us up to be winners again. I hate to say this, but there's a certain ebb and flow. Like all these people that are making the predictions, this will forever change the political landscape. Now, that can happen. I mean, sure. you, you could. I mean, I would argue that the best antidote to liberalism is letting liberals be in power for a while like Obama, and you'll change really quickly. Exactly. But, but remember, Great Britain got rid of Winston Churchill after World War II. And he was the guy that, during the Battle of Britain that was out there with the people every single day. And the same thing goes for, you know, look, Ronald Reagan, and we had great success, and he was the outcrop of the failure of Jimmy Carter, but eventually we get stupid, and in that case we elected Bill Clinton. And now we've you know, tried it again. I mean, we, we keep making dumb mistakes because I, I guess people do get sick of winning. But I think the difference this time is, though, more people have actually stood up, stood out, and and are, are, are making the comments now that, you know, we can't go back to where we were. We let it run amok for eight years, and we can't afford that ever again. And I think when you allow bad behavior to go on, and then you have really bad behavior, you get to that point where you say, we can't do that again, ever. Well, I, I would like people to learn, but if, I mean, look, look at Winston Churchill. He literally is personally at the forefront of saving the free world, and they right. threw him out of office. I mean, if they're going to throw him out of office, there's going to be, you know, I, I mean, it's just going to be an ebb and flow. So to me, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. We can literally 
roll back the damage of Obama and move the country forward and maybe even transform government enough and reduce the size and scope of government enough that it's going to take a long time for them to screw it up again. But with that said, I mean, I know they're talking about the size of the federal workforce through the decades. It's gone up and up and up. That's a problem. Obamacare is another problem. And these are big challenges. But even on the heels of some of the comments that were made even yesterday with Boeing and this morning with pharmaceutical companies. So, you know, people are reacting to his reaction. And they're even saying that, that there's a course of change that's going on today that we haven't seen in 30 years, that it's not going to be the status quo anymore. People are not going to allow any more. We're more educated. We're more aware today. And we're in tune to what's going on. We can do our own research. And we can see that, you know, we're just being robbed blind, and we sat back and we allowed it. I don't think that's going to happen, at least hopefully in my lifetime. And I'm, you know, a, a, a half a century old. Listen, unfortunately, politics, there is always a shift. There's a group of people forever, whatever reason, will get caught up in any political movement. You know, liberalism on paper always sounds great. Free health care, free school lunches, free daycare, free schools, free, free, free. Don't pay your student loans back. We're going to get free government cars soon. Who knows what they're going to offer for free? And that becomes appealing to a lot of people rather than a free society. Because every single time your government official gives you something, there are plenty of strings attached to it. And in the process, you're giving up real freedom. You know, Americans, you know, there's a part of people that for whatever reason will choose perceived security over real freedom and security. If you want to be secure in your person and secure in your life, I'm going to tell you how to do it is you live in the freest, best country God gave man. Now go out, find your talents, bring them to fruition, offer goods and services to people, and make money. That's how you become free, and you have fun doing it. You know, one of the things I I love about watching Trump every day is the guy's having fun. You know, having Rom Rombo Deadfish Emmanuel, I don't think kissing my ring would be that much fun, but Trump loves it. He loves every aspect of what he does. He loves every aspect of the media. And fighting with them. You know, what people don't understand is he's picking a fight with China and Japan and and calling out the Iranians and everybody else. And and he lives for these fights. It's great to watch as he's having the time of their life. The media has no idea how to deal with him. And, you know, to watch them melt down every day. We've got it. He's an authoritarian. He may be a dictator. Look at all the generals, three generals now that he is uh, appointed here. Oh, my gosh, what's, what's going to happen? Kelly and, and Flynn and Mattis, these are generals. We've never had that many generals. He's unpredictable in a very good way, but I also think fundamentally the ideas that he promised during the campaign, if they're put into practice, will work out extraordinary well for the country. And to me, it's about the country. To me, you know, what good is winning an election if you don't get the policies to follow up that are actually going to make the lives of the American people better? And that's what I was saying yesterday about public service. Anyway, thank you. Appreciate it. Mark in New York City, the all-new AM710 WOR, the talk of New York. What's going on? Hi, Sean. I want to uh, congratulate you and welcome you aboard, finally recognizing, seeing the light, and uh, becoming aware that government, uh, with Trump's little work with Carrier, that government really can play an important role in helping to keep jobs here. Um, you know, I, I'm a liberal, and I've for years listened to you and 
rejuvenating government has to get out, government echoing Reagan, government is the problem. Now we're seeing, no, and, and you're coming on board and saying, oh, no, look at this, government can pressure companies, government can do changes to help create real jobs, non-government jobs. Okay, America. number one, so when, soft, when, when Donald Trump went to the, the lobby of Trump Tower yesterday and announced the $50 billion investment in the 50,000 jobs, how much did the government pay for that? Well, we've, how many, we've gotten zero dollars, am I right? Okay, I asked you a question. How much did the government pay for the 50,000 jobs that they're pledging to, to create and the $50 billion they're they pledging to invest? They the exact same amount that they got. Okay, Mark, Mark, they paid nothing. And, and they got nothing. Okay, Mark, they made a pledge and a promise to the president-elect, and I'll tell you one of the reasons why is I think businesses are becoming more confident that he's going to get his economic agenda passed and America will then become a haven for multinational corporations to build their businesses, which is here. Well, so, uh, which, by the way, we've seen not. this happen before. We've seen it happen in the Reagan years. We've seen it happen in the Kennedy years. We've seen it happen in, in a country like Ireland and elsewhere. And what you're not understanding right. here is, is businesses are in business to make money. They're in business to make a profit. And if you give them a good environment in which they can work and less bureaucracy and less regulation and a lower tax rate, well, as a natural outcrop of that, you're going to see job creation. And that means dependency no, John, of— you're wrong. Okay, goodbye, when Mark. You don't know see... what you're talking about. Just as, I'm, I'm talking to like a—there's no point sometimes when you're trying to educate a liberal. Uh, Keith is in Kentucky. Keith, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. Hey, uh, love your uh, TV show, but really love your radio show because we get to actually listen to some more detail. And, and thank so I you. I want to give you a little bit. Thank you very much. I uh, appreciate we, it. Thank you. Uh, when, uh, when you look at this whole uh, case for the 1,100 jobs in Indiana with uh, Carrier, you know, I've, I've been in manufacturing, my plant manager. I've been doing this job, not this job, but I've been in manufacturing 35 years. Uh, five plants I've been in, two have gone by the wayside. It's all competition. We compete every day. We have to work for every single job. I look at it as my responsibility to understand this stuff because it's my job to figure out how to protect these jobs from the people that work for me. Now, when you look at that incentive, it's $7 million. You break it down. You know, the average person just hears a lot of opinions. We always hear the facts. I just want to give you some facts. So that's only really $700 per year because it's 10 years, 1,100 jobs. It's even under that. Now, what happens is we have to pay fringe rate for uh, for all your medical, the, the other taxes that are, that are out there, retirement, and so on. And when you add all that up, it's about 60%. So if you take a $20 an hour job and you round that up with fringes, you're paying almost $70,000 a year for the job itself. So, you know, the community is receiving 1100 times $70,000 or $70 million worth of benefit for a $700 expenditure from the from the from the state. And so with these people that think we're buying jobs, they just don't understand we're, that that is the powerhouse. Manufacturing drives the economy. And what will happen next is if you assume 12%, and I'll use a lot of numbers, but if you assume 12% of your cost is in labor, that's almost $500 billion over a 10-year period that is going to be pumped into a variety of expenses. So it's buying 
uh, materials, raw materials. It's paying taxes. It's paying those wages I just talked about. And if you assume the six percent uh, percent of that's that's how much of your labor, how much of your selling price is labor, and that's a very high metal content. So I'm sure it's way out of what I'm used to. I'm used to twelve. You're looking at you know t- an enormous impact both in what happens for all the people that are paid. They turn around and they take let that me money. let me see if I can summarize this for you because we had on Max Higgins yesterday the guy with the Golden Triangle in Mississippi and he brought a helicopter plant a steel plant a tire plant and a drone plant all into the the Golden Triangle and he talked about you know six thousand jobs well that ends up being twelve thirteen thousand jobs because of all the support businesses that are there for them so anyone uh, so anyway the bottom line to me is that yeah you're right but you got to incentivize them and when he's building roads and sewers and when he's out there building power grids for the for the steel mill he's just being smart and he's thinking ahead and now they planned on maybe two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year in tax revenue which more than paid back the initial investment they made and they ended up getting a million a year and that's just one business and then all the other people that were out of work on government dependency now they're paying taxes and so we save money both ways there and we get money in the coffers this isn't really that complicated and i think that's what you're describing because that works anyway there's two more dimensions Two more dimensions. Real quick. One, one is on top of, of the fact that you're paying all that up front, that, that goes into the little restaurant down the street. It goes into the churches for charity. It goes into raw materials, which is another whole you know series of, of people that are affected by that. So it goes in all these other directions way beyond the numbers you're quoting. Well, I appreciate. Um, I, I agree with you in every aspect. And it's going to be a matter of whether or not we can implement this fast enough. Now, there's a lag time, but by the time you invest the money and the time you actually build the factories, build the manufacturing centers, and get people up and running into the jobs. Sean in Florida next, Sean Hannity Show. What's up, Sean? How are you? Oh, hi. I thought I was off. I'm good. Thank you. Um, Listen, I'd like to talk about Jill Stein and the fact that this woman, this post-menopausal mad woman, needs to just go away. I mean, Trump's numbers are even going up. She's wasting tax dollars. I mean, she cares so much about the Green Party and the Earth and everything. Why doesn't she take that money and actually put it towards some good? Instead, she's wasting money. And meanwhile, she should be praising Donald Trump. President-elect Donald Donald Trump has is just with his deal with SoftBank, who's going to invest $50 billion into the United States. He's going to create 50,000 more, job, more jobs, plus he's saved Carrier, plus Ford Motors. I mean, she should be bowing at his feet in front of Trump Tower instead of being out front screaming her head off, just trying to get notoriety and trying to get herself out into the limelight because she wants to be the Democratic nominee in 2020. I mean, I'm sick of her. Listen, the only thing I can say is everybody knows it's a waste of time, effort, and money. And I understand why they're doing it, just like I explained earlier. All these people on the left, look, they're they're going through the shock phase of what they've experienced, but after the shock is going to come at some point the visceral anger. We saw it last night with Michael Moore and Michael Moore is, you know, they're planning to do what they did to Bush. And that is they're going to be protesting every day, trying to disrupt every day, trying to energize the left wing base of the Democratic Party every day and, you know, disrupt the country. And they're going to come up with little slogans and and bumper stickers that they'll be passing out to one another and, and talking in this little circle on CNN and MSNBC. But I don't think it's going to go anywhere in the end. I really don't. I think the left, what they don't realize, what I can't understand 
understand is they've been they have been lied to and they have they have elected somebody that failed on a spectacular level. I can't think of a worse president. I can't than Barack Obama. I can't just looking at raw data, raw numbers, economic numbers, foreign policy. You can't cite a single thing he's done that you can say, wow, that works. Obamacare. Nothing he has, you know, his rigid ideology has failed him and it's failed the country. And the point is rigid, radical leftism, statism, redistribution always fails. And it's not so funny when you promise shovel-ready jobs and they're not so shovel-ready. Anyway, I appreciate the call. For those folks who've lost their job right now because a plant went down to Mexico, you know, that isn't going to make you feel better. And so what we have to do is to make sure that folks are trained for the jobs that are coming in now because some of those jobs of the past are just not going to come back. I'll be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. I'll take them back from China, from Japan, from Mexico, which is doing an incredible job. Their leaders are much smarter than our leaders. They're taking tremendous industry. How do you keep them? You keep them by... Because the labor's cheap, that's why they go. For one thing, you keep them by talking to them. When somebody says, like the person you just mentioned, who I'm not going to advertise for, that he's going to bring all these jobs back. Well, how exactly are you going to do that? What are you going to do? I will tell you that United Technologies and Carrier stepped it up, and now they're keeping actually the numbers over 1,100 people, which is so great, which is so great. We're going to have a lot of phone calls made to companies when they say they're thinking about leaving this country because they're not leaving this country. They're not going to leave this country, and the workers are going to keep their jobs. And they can leave from state to state, and they can negotiate good deals with the different states and all of that. But leaving the country is going to be very, very difficult. I just think that they are selling a lie, this lie that the jobs can come back. The jobs are not going to ever come back. I would like to tell him thank you for uh, going out of your way and taking your uh, holiday uh, away from your family and uh, working on the carrier and employees deal and uh, sticking to your word and going to bat for all of us at Carrier and and keeping our jobs here. He's got nothing serious to offer on jobs. We're going to bring jobs back, and we're going to do something else. We're going to keep jobs in this country. We're not going to have Carrier air conditioning think they're going to move to Mexico, make air conditioners, send them back here, lose all these jobs, pay no tax when they send, and hurt our country. So that's not going to happen. So we're going to do that. But you know the other thing, how? It's very simple. We're going to put... We're going to make them pay. There's going to be consequences. He just says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And usually the answer is he doesn't have an answer. This is Masa of SoftBank from Japan, and he's just agreed to invest $50 billion in the United States and 50,000 jobs. And he's one of the great men of industry so i just want to thank you thank you thank you thank you very much all right it turns out the magic wand is called a telephone that's all it seems to take and uh anyway glad you're with us news roundup and information overload hour of the sean hannity show media meltdown and of course the left meltdown continues even time magazine person of the year their 90th one donald trump president of the divided states of america they can't help it I was watching, I was reading on social media. Some say they purposely designed it so it looks like he has horns. I'm not exactly sure that happened. Uh, that sounds a little conspiratorial for me. You got led by California. We now have d- Democrats vowing to say no to Trump on everything from his cabinet to his policies, from executive orders to Supreme Court nominees. 
and California now threatening to secede from the union. I say don't let the door hit you on the way out. Okay. Michael Moore, disrupt the inauguration. A Hollywood PR firm called Sunshine Sachs has now canceled their Christmas party because Donald Trump won the election. Michelle Obama's finally broken her silence about the night Trump was elected. I went to bed. And the White House admits that they will not be closing Gitmo. Only part of the attacks that are just coming in daily. It's all part of the Play-Doh coloring book, crayons, aromatherapy, pet therapy, cat therapy, dog therapy, hot cocoa sessions for the left. And joining us now, Jessica Tarlov. She is the senior strategist at Shone Consulting. Ron Christie, former special assistant of President Bush, columnist for Sidewire. Welcome uh, both of you back to the program. Do you have any problem with the carrier deal, Jessica? Do you have any problem with the announcement of $50 billion invested in 50,000 jobs or renegotiating the deal instead of paying $4 billion for Air Force One, for Boeing, maybe getting it at a more reasonable rate? I mean, overall, I'm thrilled with any new American jobs or people keeping their jobs. And I I think that Democrats have been consistent about that. There are red flags, I think, about the way that he's gone about this. There are people who work at Carrier have said that. It wasn't 1,100 jobs. It was 730. Again, thankful for the jobs. They it was actually, are, it's going to be 1,100, and they're going to invest $16 million in the plant to revamp and it. And a total of 1,300 to Mexico, right? And what did he do okay, to Boeing I, stock I, yesterday? You know, I mean, I'm listening to you, and it's like, okay, you know, here's Jessica Tarlov. Now, you work for Doug Schoen, and I'm sure you make a nice, big, fat six-figure salary. Not and big enough, Sean. Not okay, big oh, enough. it's never big enough. I understand, <laughs> but I mean, you know, you sound like these these like Chuck Todd, the overpaid jerk on NBC. No, I I mean, I don't think that, listen, I, I happen to like Chuck Todd, but you knew that was coming. No, I, I don't think that I sound like that. I think that, you know, Donald Trump is making good on a lot of what he said he was going to do. He said, I know how to negotiate. I'm a bully, essentially. And he is he's threatening companies. He's threatening U.S. companies. He's meddling in the free market, which if Obama had done this, everyone would have gone nuts. But again, you know, if Christmas time, maybe it's because Ron, their jobs, Ron, maybe it's because I know him so well. Everything with him is a negotiation. Everything. Anything that you're discussing yeah. with him, he's negotiating. He negotiates 24 seven, lives, eats, breathes, sleeps negotiation. And so for me, I don't even believe that he ever wants a 35 percent tariff on any of these countries. All he's saying is that if we're taking in billions and billions and maybe trillions of dollars of products from your country, well, you can't put a 35 percent tax on American products coming into yours. That's called free and fair trade. And I think that's all he's advocating for. Uh, No question about it, Sean. And I, I think that you're absolutely right about this in the sense that that's the opening round of a negotiation. This isn't the final round. It's the opening round. And I don't believe that Donald Trump wants to put confiscatory taxes on American companies doing business when they can keep the jobs here. But my point of this, it's amazing to me, yet another vivid example of President Obama leading from behind, not using his phone, not using his pen. Donald Trump, president-elect, picks up the phone and has a negotiation, has a, has a session with the CEO of United Technologies, the parent company of Carrier. And you know what? Those jobs will be here. The workers will have a much better Christmas, all because Donald Trump showed empathy and he cared for the American people and made good on a promise. 
too bad uh, President Obama on the way out. There's so many promises made, so many promises never kept. When you really think about it, I mean, Trump in the first few hours is going to go out there and undo 80 percent of Obama's agenda because he ruled by executive fiat and executive order. And so that's going to that's going to vanish probably in the first few hours of a Trump presidency. The next thing that's going to happen is Obamacare is going to be repealed and it's going to be replaced. I'm pretty confident. All Can I finish? All of that's going to happen. And then. So the only thing that I guess we really have as an Obama legacy is he accumulated more debt than all 43 presidents before him combined and the horrible choices that he made to the judiciary in the time he was president. That'll be his only lasting legacy. They even admitted today that they're not going to shut down Gitmo. So what is his what, what can he point to as a great success? The Iranian deal, Jessica? What is his great success? Well, I I disagree about Obamacare being repealed and replaced. Uh, Kevin McCarthy has even said that that's not going to happen, and that will be one of Obama's legacies. Donald Trump has said that they're not going to leave people without insurance. Okay, I will bet you any amount of money that they will repeal Obamacare. How much do you want to bet? And replace it? Yes, of course they have to replace it. How long will it take to do it? Well, I think the transition period is up in the air, but I certainly believe believe it's going to be repealed. And I believe healthcare savings accounts. We, I know Tom Price well. Tom Price has been on this program so many mm-hmm. times. He comes on. He's very smart. And he's explained over and over to this audience what he believes is the replacement, which is health savings accounts. Okay. Well, let's bet $10 then. I can afford that even you can on afford, my salary. Even on your big six-figure Doug Schoen consulting salary? Good grief. I, I, $10 or a cocktail. It's totally up to you. Which and, a, and it can be an $18 cocktail. So that would be upside for you. Uh, who who over, drinks an 18? Only an elite liberal, Learjet liberal snob would drink oh, an $18 God. cocktail. <laughs> just give me I a Coors Light and I'll be like fine. Good five, grief. And $8, 7 whatever Whatever. A drink, $10, whatever it is, we'll bet about Obama. I don't want to make a bet over $10. I want it to hurt you. I want it, If I'm going to win the bet, I want it to hurt when you lose. Well, meaning um, hurt when it lose. I don't want to hurt her. I mean, we're friends. Uh, Jessica, no, we've been friends a long time. You know what I meant. I, mean, I want yeah, it. I, I want it to be painful when you have to pay me a thousand dollars. Oh no! I mean, that seems really no. See, that seems extreme right now. Yeah, it seems like you I'm really don't have a lot of confidence in your position to me. <laughs> so here, uh, Ron, here's the New York Post headline today: Trump bedroom backlash may be causing erectile dysfunction. Anecdotal <laughs> evidence suggests. I mean, look, if they're going to blame everything on Trump, we might as well bring it all in. Anecdotal evidence suggests that Trump's election victory has killed the reproductive urge among progressives sparking fears that the disappointing results could be extinction level, an extinction level event for Democrats. Quote, I haven't had sex in weeks. I blame Donald Trump, read a October story in Cosmopolitan by a writer who added, my sex life never stood a chance this election season. And that was before November 8th. Quote, Trump's election stole my desire to look for a partner, wrote Stephanie Land of Montana to the Washington Post. There's no room for dating in in this place of grief, adding she dumped her boyfriend, even though he was equally terrified about Trump. Slick Willie. Joy Bayless, Joyless Behar, said, have you noticed that your wife is disgusted by the sight of you lately, citing a therapist who said women have lost their sex drive since Trump won? And then she added, Trump bedroom backlash may be causing electile erectile dysfunction. <laughs> I can't laugh enough. These progressives, these liberals are the biggest bunch of sore losers I've ever seen in my life. Donald Trump won this election fair and square. 
Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate. Hillary Clinton was an arrogant candidate. But yes, let's bring out the cuddle rooms. Let's bring in the cat. Let's bring out the dog. And we love. Lawrence. Don't forget She's the dog. hot She's cocoa training. and the eighteen oh, the and the eighteen dollar Jessica special cocktail. What do you buy for eighteen dollars? What's an eighteen dollar cocktail? Well, just because the office is right next to Del Frisco's, that's what they cost there. I was just trying to make it convenient. Oh, but so, I will go anywhere. Wait, wait, what, what do you buy for 18 bucks, though? I mean, what kind like of... A martini you can get a call there for a is $18. A martini is $18 now? Yeah. Wow. When I was a bartender, it was two bucks, two and a half bucks. I guess I'm well. getting old. I'm aging myself here. <laughs> and I used to make the best martinis. All you do is put in booze over ice and then, you know, strain it, boom. Throw an olive in or a couple of onions and uh, you're all set. Uh, I oh, made yeah. super dry martinis, just a drop of vermouth. Well, well, well the, the staff cafeteria that she makes reference to, Sean, is so overpriced. It's unbelievable so overpriced. people drop that kind of money. Well, I mean, I like the place, but, I mean, I don't drink $18 cocktails. I just don't. Uh, give me, they don't even have Coors Light there. I've asked them to get it. They have Bud Light. Well, light beers. I don't want to get fat, so if I'm going to drink beer, I don't, I got to have a light beer. Uh, so, all right, so where do you see this all headed? Ron Christie, I don't think. I think the media, I think even people as nice as Jessica, who we love dearly, I just don't think they understand what's happened and what's going to happen. No, and I think we're going to be in full meltdown mode. The Democratic Party, unfortunately, is now a coastal party. They're California, Oregon, Seattle, New York City. That's pretty much it. They can't win. They can't connect. They can't resonate with the American people who live in this great country of ours. And unless and until the media elitists stop with their terrible preening, you know, condescending uh, stories about Trump. I think we're going to see more of the same. And I think Donald Trump is going to surprise a lot of people on January 20th. Yeah. What do you, Jessica, is it, can you not understand why you lost this election yet? Is it not? Oh, no, I understand it full well. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I feel incredibly guilty about having shamed women for supporting him into either silence or getting in, you know, conversations with them that were, you know, too judgmental on my part. Um, you know, uh, I feel bad about that i think we made some strategic mistakes that are unforgivable that you know we were in arizona and georgia instead of wisconsin and michigan you know when we lost to bernie sanders there in the primaries we should have been there uh it made no sense um and we didn't have an economic message that connected two people to you know uh blue-collar white workers. And how, and, mu- but uh, how much is it also that Obama put 13 more million Americans on food stamps, 8 million more Americans I in poverty? Don't, I, I don't think, when you look at the margins in these states that were very small, right, the swings, the blue wall that got decimated here in the end, it's a very small margin. And Obama has all right, but it's small, but no, high. But, but nobody thought they were even days. in play at all. No, no, listen, I, no. I am giving Trump as much credit as physically possible in my liberal body. I mean, I think it is astounding what he and Kellyanne Conway pulled off here. And if I was wearing a hat, not a Make America Great Again hat, but I would tip it to him. I I think he did something quite miraculous and has exposed a problem with the Democratic Party that people have been concerned about for a long time. I'm interested to see what happens with the DNC. The only one on the Democratic side that saw this as a real possibility was your boss, Doug Schoen. The only Democrat I know. All right. Pacadell, who's like... Oh, no, that's true. Pacadell was in it, too. wanders, but he is always warning about the Trump phenomenon, even from the start there. But yeah, I mean, Doug and Pat... Well, you need to listen to... You need to listen to your mentors more. I, I listen to them constantly it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't res- agree with them well that means well maybe they thing. should buy you an 18 dollar cocktail but i'll let ron take care of that 
<laughs> All right, guys, thank you. Hey. For those folks who've lost their job right now because a plant went down to Mexico, you know, that isn't going to make you feel better. And so what we have to do is to make sure that folks are trained for the jobs that are coming in now because some of those jobs of the past are just not going to come back. I'll be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. I'll take them back from China, from Japan, from Mexico, which is doing an incredible job. Their leaders are much smarter than our leaders. They're taking tremendous industry. How do you keep them? You keep them by... Because the labor's cheap, that's well, why for, they go. For one thing, you keep them by talking to them. When somebody says, like the person you just mentioned, who I'm not going to advertise for, that he's going to bring all these jobs back. Well, how exactly are you going to do that? What are you going to do? I will tell you that United Technologies and Carrier stepped it up, and now they're keeping, actually, the numbers over 1,100 people, which is so great, which is so great. We're going to have a lot of phone calls made to companies when they say they're thinking about leaving this country because they're not leaving this country. They're not going to leave this country, and the workers are going to keep their jobs. And they can leave from state to state, and they can negotiate good deals with the different states and all of that. But leaving the country is going to be very, very difficult. I just think that they are selling a lie, this lie that the jobs can come back. The jobs are not going to ever come back. I would like to tell him thank you for uh, going out of your way and taking your uh, holiday uh, away from your family and uh, working on the carrier and employees deal and uh, sticking to your word and going to bat for all of us at Carrier and, and keeping our jobs here. He's got nothing serious to offer on jobs. We're going to bring jobs back, and How? we're going to do something else. We're going to keep jobs in this country. We're not going to have Carrier air conditioning think they're going to move to Mexico, make air conditioners, send them back here, lose all these jobs, How? pay no tax when they send, and hurt our country. So that's not going to happen. How? So we're going to do that. But you know the other thing? How? It's very simple. We're going to put... We're going to make them pay. There's going to be consequences. He just says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? What magic wand do you have? And usually the answer is he doesn't have an answer. This is Masa of SoftBank from Japan, and he's just agreed to invest $50 billion in the United States and 50,000 jobs. Wow. And he's one of the great men of industry, so I just want to thank you very thank much. You, thank you. Thank Donald you Trump much. just got another vote. Time magazine. Time magazine has chosen Donald Trump as their person of the year. It's not always something well, it doesn't not, necessarily yeah. mean good. It's no, just well, it's just about the person who's had the most influence. Joy, you have the list. Yes, right? I, yeah. Yeah. In nineteen thirty eight, Adolf Hitler. In 1939, Joseph, Joseph Stalin. Stalin. Yeah. In, in 1979, the Ayatollah Khomeini and um, Newt Gingrich also was on that list. I just thought I'd <laughs> throw it in He there. also <laughs> shared it with his friend Vladimir Putin and, in 2007. And, there, and yeah. some good people, Bill Clinton, Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Pope Francis. You know, I think I'm going to need to make a return appearance to The View. Uh, they need to be straightened out so bad. That show has gone so off the rails. I mean, it's almost like you've got four Rosie O'Donnells now on the show and poor Jedediah. I mean, she's there alone, the only conservative voice on the entire show. How many people that want to? I think four. Okay, four. So you got three Rosie O'Donnells and one Jedediah. That's, I, should I go back on that show? Why not? You can't nod on radio. I tell you every day. How many years have you worked on this program? Put your mic on. I wouldn't go on that show if it was the last thing I had to do to save the planet. You know, that's what I said the last time after I went on the show, that I wouldn't go back on again. But 
Somebody at Fox said, well, why don't you go back on the show? They need your help. Well, that person is insane, and you <laughs> yeah. should ignore them forever, and you well, should never go on that show because it validates them, and they don't deserve it. They don't deserve validation? How about an education? How about- what education are you going to give them? They're too busy thinking of the next thing they're going to say to you because they can't process what's being told well, to them. Well, if I can't educate them, at least maybe their audience will finally hear a sensible thought. No, I mean, they, they've gone they off force- the deep end. Those people have been force-fed mainstream media BS for the past however many years. So I'm going to walk into the lines then for mm-hmm. no reason and waste my time. It's a total waste of your time. Complete and total waste of your time. I'll think about it. Don't think about it. That's also a waste of your time. Well, look at Ethan. What's up with you? What is your they problem? Just compared Newt, one of your close friends, to Stalin and Hitler, and then lumped in Bill Clinton with Gandhi and the Pope, and you're going to go and join them? I actually, I actually look at it as entertainment. I think I would be entertained. So you know when I start my Twitter fights and you tell me the next day that was so funny because you know me and you know I'm laughing my ass off as I send out these incendiary tweets just to piss off the mainstream media and other people. And, you know, are you a jackass in real life or are you just a jackass on Twitter and the other things that I say that, that you say you laugh at? I just do it to them. It's not worth your time. You wouldn't even watch, would you? I don't watch The View. I don't watch CNN. I'm asking if I was on it, would you watch? I would not watch that show if you were on it. I would not watch that show if Russell Crowe was on there. You know there, what it sounds like? It sounds Gerard like Green Butler Eggs and Ham. I love Green Eggs and Ham. I would not watch. No, I wouldn't. No, I would not watch under any circumstance. I, I do not like Green Eggs and Ham. I do not want. I do not like. I do not watch. I will not watch The Girls of The View. That was so eloquent and beautiful, the no, way that yeah, all just, flowed it together. Came, it came flowing out just of me. Maybe if we told you not to go on, then then well, let me reverse myself. If we told you to go on, maybe you wouldn't because you were just told it's an awful, miserable show. Uh, you know, I think I'll go on it. I mean, what's wrong with you? Why even ask? I, I have no idea. Maybe it's because... Because they're so wrong, and it's just I just and you I have sit the soft there in spot for Whoopi for some reason. Well, that goes back. Well, years, I could tell but... you why because I'll give you the exact answer why Whoopi and I just got along. We get along well. I mean, I I don't like her political views, but I like her as a person. When was the last time you spoke to Whoopi Goldberg? Well, it's been a couple of years, but I mean, I, she used to come on my show, and that's back in the day when I used to do her show. Whoopi's always been nice to me and respectful to me, always. Joy Behar, she's a lost cause. I don't even know who else is on. Who's on now? I don't even know who else is there. I can't tell. Everybody keeps leaving and then coming back every few months. So that show's knows? not going to make it, is it? That show's it on doesn't its way matter. Out. The only person that talks is Behar and Goldberg anyway. No. Well, I thought Jedediah is doing a pretty good job. I mean, it's an impossible situation, though, because it's 10 on 1. It's sort of like we had Corey Lewandowski last night on Hannity, and I said to him, how does it feel? Because he'd been in prison at CNN for such a long time. He goes, it's kind of nice not to do a show with nine on one, which was pretty much between him, Jeff Lord, and what's that girl, uh, Michaela, Michaela, what's her name? Mac- yeah, Mac- oh, Kaylee McEnany. Kaylee McEnany, yeah, and who really does a good job, but under impossible circumstances. Now they have Van Jones apparently doing town halls with Michael Moore. Can you go any more hardcore left than that? I mean, I guess they're trying to outflank. Maybe they've just given up any hope of ever challenging the Fox News channel. And maybe their hope is they just want to go hard, hard left and try and beat MSNBC, which is now beating them again. And so, I mean, I, they, but the problem, what they don't understand is they're, 
they are mainstream. Media bias is mainstream. Fake news exists in the mainstream media. They've never been as wrong as they've been this year, which is part of what I was talking about earlier in the program today. I mean, you know, this this is, you know, look at the headlines like Trump insults McCain, presidential bid over. Polls show Trump has no chance of winning. Electoral college map spells doom for Republicans. Hillary's lead now insurmountable. These were all headlines. Trump could sink the GOP in down ballot races. Obama insists voters will reject Trump. They're all wrong. And it's because they can't see beyond the prism, the lens of which they, they view the world. And it's like last night I was on Twitter. There's that stalker guy from the Business Insider, whatever his name is, Oliver Darcy. Oliver Darcy craves attention. So what he does, he's like a wannabe Brian Stelter, the pipsqueak Oberman wannabe. And like he's, he's trying so hard to get into the group, the circle of all these media people. They can consider themselves critics. Eric Wimple is the only one that's actually ever nice to me in person. He's mean to me in print, but he's nice in person. And these people, they just they talk to each other and they live in this media bubble. And the only guy that stands outside it whose column is worth reading is Joe Concha over at the Hill. He's the only one that stands apart and they all hate him. And they hate him because he's not trying to kiss their ass and get in their circle. It's almost like they're 15 year old girls in high school trying to get in the group. It's so bad. And they just talk to each other and they say the same thing. Yeah, and Hannity's horrible. And look what Hannity just tweeted and look at this. And then they all retweet to each other everything I say. And meanwhile, I'm just laughing my ass off because they bubble and fizz like alga seltzer and water every single time. And what I'm trying to get these idiots to see is that they are blind. They are agenda driven. They have been guilty of colluding with the Hillary campaign this election year. They won't criticize their own networks. They're Fox fixated, Hannity fixated, anything conservative fixated, and they can't see the blindness that exists. Anyway, that's my two cents. Cecilia Nashville, WLAC. What's up, Cecilia? How are you? Hi. How you doing, Sean? I'm good. What's going um, on? Well, I had uh, originally read Andrew Breitbart's book, Righteous Indignation, about five years ago. And um, over this past Thanksgiving break, I reread it. And um, my mind was blown at how completely prophetic Andrew was and how everything he has worked toward or he worked toward and handed on to amazing, capable people has come to fruition. Um, Righteous Indignation is an absolute must read. Um, he, uh, it's a, the book is a great summary of the history of the media complex, and it's almost like a decoder to see exactly what the media and the far left we're doing and that's such a good way of putting it you know it look andrew was a special human being he really was and andrew mm-hmm. and i you know we had a battle or two over the years i remember one day he gives a speech and he was really using incendiary language about nancy pelosi i'll never forget and i called him up mm-hmm. and i said andrew i said you're too smart to fall into that trap of getting caught up in a crowd reaction the way you did. And I said, all it's going to do is marginalize you in the long run, and you've got to be smarter than they are. So we got into a big fight on the phone. Andrew ends up hanging up on me, then calling me back, and then we fight again, and he hangs up again. And then eventually, 
you know, we parted as friends because we were always good friends. And Andrew, uh, he, he kind of acknowledged what I was saying. He kept saying to me, but the crowd loved it. The crowd loved it. I'm like, that's uh. that's not your audience. Your audience, you know, for example, only 1% or half of 1% of people listening to talk radio will ever bother to pick up a phone and call a radio talk show because they're just, <laughs> they just don't do it. Right, right. So uh, what I said to Andrew, I said, yeah, you're getting the reaction, but you are going to be marginalized, and those words will follow you everywhere you go whenever you, you try, you're too smart to just fall into that and be marginalized that way. Well, he was brilliant, for sure. He was. I remember I was giving a speech one day in Washington somewhere, and he was in the room, and I took my football. I threw it all the way in the back to him, and he threw it right <laughs> back at me. And I just loved the guy. I loved his spirit. I loved his fight. I loved uh, everything about him. And we didn't yeah. always agree, but he really loved his country, and he fought for his country. Yes. And that was what motivated him. And I knew his I motivations were pure because he wasn't making money. Breitbart right. wasn't what it is today. I mean, they were just about to launch it when he died. Exactly. Yes. I remember when it, when they launched it, it was it was awesome. And then when I found out that he had had all these health problems ahead of time and never dealt with them, then I was pissed off. If he was alive, mm -hmm. I would have screamed at him. You know, if you have a heart problem, you got to take care of it. Right. And, right. He's, and he's one of these guys that never slept, worked 24 seven, lived, breathed and slept all of this. And mm -hmm. he never had time to himself. And, you know, he hurt himself along the way, unfortunately. And, and we lost him way too early. Definitely. But I got a picture in my office of me, Bra me, Breitbart and uh, John Andresic of Five for Fighting. And John, oh. <laughs> you know, John's a great guy, too. All right. Last word, Cecilia. Go ahead. Uh, well, you know, the with you and Breitbart and so many other very strong warriors, the groundwork for the victory we had on November 8th was was for sure laid out. So thank you. And God bless you and Andrew Breitbart and all our strong warriors out there. Listen, and I said this the day after Election Day, and I, I, you cannot minimize the input. You know, I said last night on Twitter, I said, I said, all you irredeemable deplorables are on your game tonight. They're, those of you that played a part on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you happen to use, those of you that went to vote, those of you that were courageous enough to voice your support or send money or donate or organize or your state and make phone calls, whatever you did, even if you just voted, that was enough. But we're all like spokes in a wheel, and we made this happen. And for that, I thank all of you, because we got a shot to make things better, and that's all I, that's all I want. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul, Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. 
Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.